Hey, how's it going, Work Positive Nation? Feeling burned out? Over one out of two of your colleagues are. Disengaged? Gallup says 85% of us are. On an underperforming team? I know, man, that's tough sledding. If you answered yes to any of these three questions, this episode of the Work Positive Podcast is for you, my friend. My guest today tells us what it takes to build a high-performance culture that delivers results. He realized that traditional approaches to leadership and high-performance team programs leave leaders and teams burned out, disengaged, and underperforming. So he shares with us his proven approach to building high-performance cultures that deliver profits engage staff and prevent burnout oh and leaders who want to achieve full potential lean in and listen up as he tells you how to do so without giving up your weekends or satisfying the well-being of your teams i'm ready for this work positive nation are you ready then let's go welcome to the work positive podcast with your host executive coach and culture architect dr joey fawcett Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast, Jimmy Burroughs. Jimmy, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast, my friend. Dr. Jerry, thank you so much for the invitation. I am so thrilled to be here. Well, and we we appreciate you being here, especially taking time from waiting on your pregnant wife, which I know that you're doting on her hand and foot. She Anything she wants, she gets. Whatever she asks for, you bring it to her with a, yes, dear, I'm happy to serve, right? Yeah, I mean, there's at least 80% truth in that, 100%, yeah. <laughs> Okay, you don't say I'm happy to serve. How you know, right? Like, uh, so all the, all those words come out of various points in the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe not all together at once, right? <laughs> Potentially <laughs> not. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time she delivers, you'll you'll learn those words, my friend. You you really will. And thank her for sharing you with us today. We're excited. So in in the intro, Work Positive Nation heard me talking about three things: burnout, right? And you, you know a little something about burnout, right? Disengagement do, do and underperforming teams. So what is it? The reason I say Work Positive Nation, Jimmy Burroughs knows something about burnout is because he wrote a book called Beat Burnout, Ignite Performance, right? So you've Indeed. done some study around burnout. Um, why this epidemic of burnout today? What's causing it? You know, you're not the first person to ask me this question. And I think if we all had the answers, then potentially it wouldn't be such a situa- such a serious situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, can, you can call it an epidemic. It's almost the post-COVID academic, uh, yeah. epidemic. And if, you know, if we look back to before COVID, we had a lot of issues in the workplace already. You know, this isn't something that's just suddenly appeared. This is something that's been creeping up on us for a good while. And you mentioned Gallup disengagement data earlier on. Before COVID, disengagement or unengaged employees uh, was sitting around the 71, 72% mark. Now it's between 75 and 80%. 
So there were some issues in the workplace before COVID. What I think COVID did was uh, the tide went out and the people who were swimming naked got found out. Mm-hmm. The the poor leadership techniques and skills and abilities that had manifested through a, a, a generation of underinvestment in developing leaders effectively because of cost-cutting measures and whatever it might be the new expectations on those leaders as well. Lead people who aren't in front of you anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lead people who are in different countries now. Lead people who are not even a member of your actual team, you're just a virtual working group. And a whole catalogue of other issues meant that leaders were found wanting, not to blame them, but the situation they found themselves in was, I'm not skilled enough or capable enough to do an effective job here. So they start then trying harder and leaning on potentially out-of-date techniques and tactics, which make the problem worse. And hmm. so we end up in this spiral of fatigue and working harder and fatigue and working harder with a whole lot of other ramifications going on around it, which we talk about in the book, the five parameters of burnout. And once you're kind of in that Coriolis effect, you know, the plug hole effect of of burnout, it's very hard if you don't know what's going on and you don't understand why it's happening to get out of it. And it's then a journey to the bottom. So I think why we're seeing this epidemic now is not suddenly this magic wand that's been waved. Oh, burnout's a thing. It's just caught up with us. Yeah, that cumulative effect, as you said, from a generation of underinvestment, so it's taking a real mindset shift now to recognize, A, we underinvested, B, we're experiencing the consequences intended or otherwise, which is burnout. So I think part of the long tail of burnout and this underinvestment for a generation is that now talent attraction has become increasingly difficult. In fact, people are choosing to opt out of the work workforce as opposed to jumping in and then when they do come in it's really a series of jobs i mean when i was coming along early in my career you wanted some tenure in one company now it's like okay you were there two months that's okay you know da, 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 da. i mean there's just been a total shift so let's say that i'm working on preventing burnout in our company How do I talk about the measures that we're taking and things that we're doing to prevent burnout to attract top talent so they know this is a healthy work culture, this is a positive work culture that values people enough to be aware of burnout? Yeah, it's such a great question. And, you know, probably to to reframe the statement you made around people are opting out. Some, yes, are they've decided that they'd rather be a social media manager in Bali than work in Starbucks or whatever it might be. Right. Um, but actually what we're seeing is they're opting out of non-supportive, non-constructive environments. So mm. the opportunity for talent attraction is in demonstrating, as you mentioned in your question, demonstrating, hey, actually, we do look after our people. And if we start at the most, we'll go to the two ends of the spectrum, the most strategic and the most operational. From a strategic perspective, senior leaders absolutely have to walk the talk when it comes to leading by example in a purpose-led environment with clarity, with great, what I would call over-communication, which is almost impossible to do, (laughs) but it's very easy to under-communicate. So over-communicating all the time what's going on. 
and making people feel psychologically safe so they want to go to work and deliver their best work. You know, the strategic leadership emphasis of the people strategy now is probably as critical as the marketing transition that took place 15 years ago, where they moved from the coloring in department to becoming a strategic differentiator in an organization with analytics and marketing strategy. Now we've got a people transformation going on where it's not just the personnel department. They need to be driving workforce planning and development planning and talent conversations and one-on-ones. And so leaders walking the talk, doing that stuff and showing their senior leaders and their mid-level leaders and their junior leaders, this is how we run the business is absolutely critical. If you're listening and you're at the more junior end of your leadership career, so you're, you know, frontline leader or supervisor or, or, you know, stepping up the ladder from the bottom, um, the one single thing you can do to demonstrate to a potential new employee is the power of your one-on-one conversations. So learning some very basic coaching skills, learning how to ask good questions, learning how to listen effectively and demonstrating those in your interactions with your potential candidate. They have options. They've got choices. They could go to another company. So you need to show yourself as being a great listening, coaching leader. And quite often now, potential employees are researching their new boss on social media. They're looking, they're talking to your other team members via Instagram or LinkedIn and asking, what's what's Jimmy like to work for? And they're going to find out. So you've got to be the best possible version of leadership embodied, but not doing complex things. It's just literally conversations. And we we know from research, the single most important thing that a leader can do to drive high performance in their team is a meaningful 10 to 15 minute conversation every week with every employee. Now, that's not a lot to ask. 10 to 15 minutes while you're walking to go and get lunch or sitting down over a coffee or going for a walk in a park or maybe across a, t- a desk. But it's that really basic stuff that we see the biggest gains from. Mm. And what constitutes a meaningful conversation? I think it's split into two halves. Um, I think the first half of the conversation is what we call the care conversation. And it's essentially a trust building activity where you're finding out what's going on with you in your world right now. Uh, how are you feeling about life? What are the aspirations that, you've, that you're working towards and how are you getting on towards those, whether those are goals or personal aspirations? What are you working towards and how is that going for you? And do you need any support? The second half of the conversation is how do we grow you? So it could be, what support do you need? What coaching do you need? How can I help? And where would you like to go next? So we're kind of firing the grappling hook out further to know the line we want to haul ourselves in on. Mm. So it's really split into that two halves. It's the care conversation, you as a person, and then it's the development conversation, you as a performer. And if we can match those two together in a human conversation, so it's not an interview or an interrogation, then all the better. Mm, I love that. And that, of course, has the natural byproduct of reducing team turnover. Absolutely. So how do I take that meaningful conversation and put it into a talent conversation with someone that I'm seeking to attract to our culture? Yeah. I mean, the the things I would be asking in an interview are kind of what are your, what's, what's going on in your life right now? And what are you excited about? And what are your aspirations for this role and beyond? And then where could you see your career going? Do you even have any idea of that yet? Uh, We have a framework we use called ABC, uh, and people generally fall into one of those three categories when they're going into a new job. Either they're going into that job for advancement, uh, they're going into that job for breadth, 
or they're going into that job to achieve competence. So depending on where they're coming into that role, you're going to have a different talent conversation. But I would want to know, you know, what's your aspirations for the next six to 12 months in this role? What would you like to achieve here? How can I help you set up? Set, set you up for that. And perhaps I would also want to know what are the strengths and abilities that you have either gained success from so far or you haven't tapped into yet that you want to in this role that I can support you with? Mm-hmm. I love it. So actually in the talent attraction conversations, you're beginning what you will continue once they're on the team. So you're giving them a, a flavor of what it is that it's like to work with you. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a um, a phenomenon known known as post purchase dissonance, which is when you see something in the shop window and you buy it, and it isn't quite as good as you thought it was going to be. Uh, buyer's remorse, right? Of course, yeah. Is the is the is the the other the other word for it? Um, yeah. We get a lot of that in in client organizations where they've got a really slick recruitment mechanism which sells the dream, and then you get in there and it's. Like a lot of large corporates, it's fairly chaotic. Yeah. Uh, and so what we want to do is go, well, if you're working for me as a leader, I'm going to show you what it's like from the get-go. And this is me. This is the authentic me. You know, I am mm. about talent conversations. I'm about development. I'm about a meaningful one-on-one every week. And this is what you get now. And it's what you're going to get until you decide to move on somewhere else. Mm. So there needs to be an internal consistency with what we're externalizing our messaging to the talent as we bring them in or else we've dated them hard and then got married and forgot we were in a relationship with them. And it's not so great. And it's going back to that point I made initially, which is your candidates have choices right now. They've got options. Um, There's never been a more skewed to the, to the candidate talent marketplace. Mm. Um, Companies are desperate to hire. So if you want to attract the best, You've got to be the best internally, which requires some investment and training in your leaders and your managers to be able to do that. They can't just magically do it, but there's resources out there like the things that that we offer uh, that enable that to be done at a cost-effective way. Mm. So thinking about reducing team turnover then, the meaningful conversations that I had in the talent attraction process, I continue those so that I care for them and develop them. What else can I do to help reduce team turnover to build and, as you say, ignite performance on a team? Yeah, we we talk about it in terms of the exploration curiosity is one of the five pieces of the framework. Um, So we want people to be trying new things. So even if it's not Maybe that maybe their aspiration is breadth, not advancement. So I don't want to be promoted, but I want to stay at this level. Okay, so let's let's give you more skills and techniques to be able to do a better job. Let's also really connect you with the network of people that you're working in. So we want you to know who to go to to, and how to get stuff done through people. So broadening your network is a is a key piece. And the final one is making sure you take downtime. So there's a, I think there's an ethic and certainly in the U S we see it, um, with the clients we work with there, um, that it's like, you know, the more hours you work, the better. And there's a relentless, you know, always on mentality. And we know from the neuro research that that is not productive. It doesn't, it does not work. Uh, and even in the highest performing organizations, actually stipulating a close of business has a positive impact on performance. Mm. So you as a leader, once you're in, if you want to, you want to retain your people, get them connected to the people around them, onboard them really well initially, get them connected to a really good network around them. 
Mm. Encourage them to explore and try new things and don't shoot them if they get it wrong because they've learned a lesson. Actually (laughs) encourage them to learn from that lesson and and build their experience and encourage them to take some rest and downtime so they can recharge the batteries and they can start what we know as well from the research is when you're in downtime, you start to connect the dots more effectively than if you're just the hamster on the wheel. You're relentlessly delivering. You don't connect the dots. And so you just stay doing. We want your people to take some time off, to relax, to do their hobbies, spend time with their families. That makes them then happier, reduces the uh, byproducts of overthinking and starts to reset some of the neurochemical levels so they're happier generally in work and they're happier to come to work. Yeah, it reduces the cortisol level and then things like dopamine and serotonin begin to increase oxytocin, particularly when you're talking Absolutely. about being with with family members and things like that. So- and oxytocin is built with connection to the network as well. So if I feel part of a tribe, I get uh-huh. an oxytocin connection to the people around me in my tribe and I want to protect and be with them too. Yeah, yeah. And do the things which feed something besides the stress that seems to be endemic to my work at, at times. So let's say that that I've attracted talent through meaningful conversations and there's a nice match there. Let's say I'm doing the kinds of things you're talking about to reduce team turnover. That last piece, what if I've, I've got a classic type A personality who's hard driving, her definition, his definition of high performing team, I mean, go, 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 till you drop and can't go anymore. So there are long hours, there's a loss of productivity due to the diminishing point of return of activity. How do I help that person understand the unintended consequences that are oftentimes so negative and then begin to transform into an acceptance of not only is downtime. Okay. It's expected around here. I mean, I don't want to make it a requirement that you have downtime, but how do you make it a requirement to have downtime without making it a requirement, Jimmy? Yeah. Two answers to, or two schools of thought. Um, Mm -hmm. Number one would be around the concept of sustainable performance versus sprint performance. Mm -hmm. So, one of the things I think is exacerbating burnout is when we had the shift to working from home, everybody had to sprint to learn how to work from home and um, how to do Zoom and how to do virtual meetings. And there was lots of sprinting. And while we were also going through that, we were sprinting to hit our numbers through um tempestuous conditions. Or and then we were sprinting to catch up because we'd um we'd been a little bit behind in those quarters during the pandemic because of lockdowns and whatever it was. And and realistically, we got used to sprinting. But even Olympic sprinters only do it for nine seconds. They don't do it (laughs) 24-7. And so the concept we talk about a lot with uh, leaders who are drivers is this is a marathon, not a sprint. You don't you don't run at pace all the time. If you're gonna be in a, if you're gonna do a marathon, which is a let's say it's a three-year strategy or a one-year plan or a quarterly, quarterly, whatever it might be, quarterly implementation, you need to do it in a sustainable way. So it has to be done at 80% or 60% of max, leaving capacity for the unknown variables. That's the first piece of thought. And that can be quite challenging for some of them because they're like, well, we've been, we've managed it for this long and, yeah. and, and people have kept on doing it. And mm. so the argument is then that, yes, but at what cost? Yeah. The, the other train of thought is taken from um, a really interesting study at Harvard Business, uh, sorry, Harvard University with basketball players. And they implemented a name change. And the name change was instead of a day off, it was a preparation to perform day. 
Hmm. And so their preparation to perform day, they weren't allowed to train, but they were encouraged to meet their dietitian, to get their physio done, to um, do their laundry, to have every, have all their life, uh, home life sorted out. And then they could come back after their preparation to perform day and deliver. And over the course of one season, they outperformed their go, go, go compatriots by 12% over two seasons by 26%. Mm. So what we saw is that downtime is a performance advantage. And what you're doing is you're not going, it's time to go home and watch Netflix. It's time to prepare to perform. And so those driver leaders, you build in a strategic prepare to perform functionality into their high performance strategy their techniques the, the the ways of working that they're using mm. and you um, what we do is support them to ensure that happens hmm so how do you help them choose those prepared to perform tasks um so we show them data initially because most of the people who are high drivers tend to be high data driven people so we show mm. them things like the case study from harvard we show them a boston consulting group case study we show them also uh the mental health statistics for their business. We have a, an analysis that we do in terms of turnover, EAP usage, things like that, mm-hmm. which can really shed a, a significant story on, yes, you might, you individually as a leader might be delivering more revenue, but your cost of turnover is up, your absenteeism cost is up, your mm-hmm. development cost is up, your cost of replacement is up. So actually you're losing money. So what if we could turn that around? There's a total bottom line impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a commercial analysis, which is very powerful. And then we also ask them to try it. So we get them scoring how they feel on a daily basis. Then we say, okay, tonight I want you to go home at five, leave your laptop, turn your phone off and just spend time with the family, spend time with friends, spend time on your hobby, whatever you choose. Tell us how you feel in the morning. And we ask them, did you feel more clear headed? Did you feel more energized? Did you sleep better? And the answer is 90 plus percent of the time is absolutely yes. Some mm-hmm. of them are a bit more stressed because they miss some stuff. Um, but 90, 90 plus percent of the time is yes, I felt more clear headed, more energized and more warm. Well, what if we could do that with your whole team? Mm-hmm. What if they could prioritize better? What if they could think better? What if they could decide one night a week? And let's see how that works. Then let's try and build it up to three nights a week and so on and so on. So it's practical, very very simple, practical examples that have a massive impact. Yeah, simple, but not easy because they're unfamiliar oh, yeah. habits. And even if it's miserable, we're going to choose familiar patterns every single time. What got me here is doing it this really hard way, right? So why would I let go of that? It's an ego conversation. (laughs) Well, I know who wins that one every time, right? (laughs) So so how do you help them make that mental shift, that mindset change transformation even, to understand that I need to slow down so I can speed up? Mm -hmm. How do you feel right now? What's going on in your world? How are your relationships right now? Oh, I can't remember the last time I took a vacation. I'm exhausted. I struggle to get up in the morning. I'm fueled by coffee. I can't think clearly. I'm walking into a meeting wondering why I'm in this meeting and not having had any time to prepare for it. Wow. Would you like to change that? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. generally the answer is yes. Okay, cool. So let's start small because you can't, when somebody's in that plug hole effect, oh, it's very hard to see anything. It's like wading through mental treacle. And so we've got to do, let's just start with one small thing. Just close your laptop tonight at five, go home. Let's see the impact of that. And Mm. what we do is um, we work on the basis of the 
the 1% improvement and compounding the impact of the 1% improvement, which we know from research is about a 38x improvement by the end of the year. Mm. So we're not looking for let's rewrite the strategy or let's do a massive restructure or whatever it is. It's like, what's the 1% thing you can do today that's going to make the difference? And generally it's the, what's the, what's the biggest pain point for you right now? Okay. Let's focus there and fix that. So every, every intervention we do with every client is based on a framework of knowledge, but is uniquely tailored to that, that team's needs. Mm, I love it. I love it. Small hinges swing big doors. Doors. That's right. They're wonderful. Jimmy Burroughs is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. The book is Beat Burnout, Ignite Performance. Uh, when I go to jimmyburroughs.com, I'm going to find that book there. So why should you I buy the book? Why should you buy the book? You know, one of the things that I found when I was a, a GM in an, in an organization and I was struggling with burnout is I, I didn't know how to get myself out of it. And yeah. I didn't know some of the things that I know now in mm-hmm. terms of the techniques and tactics that I could use that were going to make a difference. I was just doing my best with what I had. <laughs> and as I was traveling the world over the last six years, talking to clients, talking to people who had burned out, recovering from my own burnout, mm-hmm. I realized that wouldn't it be really great if there was like a recipe book or a playbook that could just follow because I don't have a lot of time or headspace to prepare for my team meeting, but I want to do a better job. Mm. And so this book is exactly that it unpacks the five different areas that can lead to burnout or can drive a high performance team. Mm -hmm. It has a case study or a story around each one. And then it gives you some really practical recipe steps called action tips, which are, here's how to lead that conversation. Here's Mm. how to have that meeting. Here's how to do that exercise step by step by step. So Mm. if you're struggling to do a better job because you can't get your head around it right now and you're short on time, grab the book and you can just read through it piece by piece. And the idea is that it's not a novel to read cover to cover. It's dip in for the piece you need. Mm. Easy to find something, do it today and then do it again tomorrow and add something to it. So you get that 1% improvement. I love Correct. it. What else will I find when I go to jimmyburrows.com? Um, probably the other piece that's really interesting is our, is the Ways of Working podcast. Um, we're a global top 10 podcast, which focuses on giving leaders who maybe have seen their performance flatline or stall a little bit, that mm-hmm. performance edge that's going to get them back on track. So we welcome leaders and thought leaders and global thinkers from organizations all over the planet to come and I call it nerding out in a podcast episode uh-huh. uh, with a given topic. So we've talked about maybe the performance edge of um, autistic consultants working with you, the performance edge that understanding and dealing with imposter syndrome can have. This morning, I talked about how does your abrasive leadership style impact your turnover and your business performance. Mm. So each one of the episodes is meant to be that you can listen to it and walk into the boardroom and say, ladies and gentlemen, we should be focusing on this. So that's the other probably really interesting thing. And then the third piece would be some of the offerings that we have around our ways of working program and the difference that makes to the seven to 12 figure organizations that we work with around the world. Mm, Excellent. So the Ways of Working podcast is heard wherever fine podcasts like this one are heard. So go there. and All major podcast channels, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, you name it. I think it's everywhere now. All the good places, right? Yep. And jimmyburrows.com is that website that we can go to. Um, So the Ways of Working, 
beat burnout, ignite performance, all those are in your show notes below. So if you're on the Peloton or you're walking the dog or you're waiting on your wife and bringing her some green tea or something that she wants since she's pregnant, right, Jimmy? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, then you can just go to the show notes and click and, and run over there and find that. you also find that Beat Burnout Ignite Performance book at jimmyburrows.com. So, Jimmy, my guest always must tell us, because Work Positive Nation always wants to know, right? What's one thing? So, Jimmy Burrows, what's your one thing Work Positive Nation can do starting today to create a positive work culture? Create a positive work culture. One thing I would do is leave your cell phone on your desk or in the kitchen and look out of the window thinking about nothing for 10 to 15 minutes and notice what you notice. And we know from the research, the neuroscience, it's super powerful. I won't go into the depths of why. It's a super powerful way to help you connect some dots, solve some problems, deal with some issues that you can go back tomorrow with a better headspace, having taken some time to think about it. Mm, I love it. When I was a kid in, in school, in grade school, I'd get in trouble for daydreaming, but actually I was doing what you just told me to do, right, Jimmy Burns? So, so geek out for us in, in, in 60 seconds about why that helps my brain. So imagine there's two TV channels in your brain and you are only able to watch one of those TV channels at, at one time. One is called the task processing network, and it's the TV channel that's your executive function, your problem solving, your dealing with meetings and all the complex stuff. The other one's called the default mode network, and it's essentially your subconscious, your daydreaming state, you're standing in the shower and suddenly something comes to you, or you're out on a run and you're like, that's how I should deal with this thing that I've been wrangling with for a while. Or you're half asleep and you remember the name of that person in the movie. And so what we want to do is activate that default mode network, and you can't activate it when you're watching the task processing network channel. So what we have to do is consciously engage our daydreaming. Now, there's ways you can do that and, and enhance it with a thing called binaural beats, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L beats. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Music. And they're just frequencies that you can put headphones in your ears and they basically play two different frequencies that allow you to activate that alpha, beta or theta state, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Um, but what, essentially what we're saying is you've got to start daydreaming more to have a more effective performance. Mm, I love it. And I do that and combine it with walking outdoors. And for me, that physical activity really turbocharges that whole process and engages the physicality of that, which of course releases the endorphins and serotonins and other fun stuff that's going on in my brain, right? I Absolutely. love it. I love it. JimmyBurrows.com is where you want to go right now. Work Positive Nation. It's in the show notes. Click on it and go there now. Jimmy, you're an amazing guest. I appreciate the knowledge, the wisdom, most of all the time, energy, and attention you've given to Work Positive Nation today. I'm better for the conversation and I know Work Positive Nation is too. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity and yeah, a joy to share a conversation with you and I hope that it was useful for your listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. 
get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.